This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are doing a lot of fun stuff. I really like this week. Um, I like every week, I guess. Um, But uh, this week we are looking at um, paddling at the right speed. We talk about surfing the waves of our kids' interest. And, uh, and one of the factors that we talk about is paddling at the right speed, coming alongside our kids' faith at the speed that they're going at. But how do we actually do that? We're going to answer that today. Uh, a question we're going to look at is um, a six-year-old struggling with the concept of grace. How do we actually explain to our kids difficult concepts like grace? And uh, and then for the wildcard section today, uh, I interviewed my friends, Joe and Elliot, who have moved 11 times in 14 years. They have four kids and uh, and they really have, I guess, honed uh, how they have prepped their children to move spiritually. How do they talk about moves with their kids and how do they help their kids grow in their faith through their moves? And uh, so we're going to talk to them about their wisdom in that. But first paddling at the right speed. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, surfing the waves, uh, you can uh, go on our parentingforfaith.org website and just type in surfing the waves. And uh, there you will see um, a session from the Parenting for Faith course pop up, but you'll also find a page that uh, just does a little summary of it, a little two minute video and a little summary of what surfing the waves is. It's essentially saying that our kids' uh, spiritual lives can come up in waves and things will happen in their lives that like waves in the ocean just come up out of nowhere. And we can learn as parents to surf those waves and and use the waves that are happening naturally in our kids' lives to help increase their faith and to teach them things about God. And uh, as we all know when surfing, well, don't know if you've ever been surfing, uh, but uh, if you've seen surfing, <laughs> surfing is a process of sort of waiting for the right wave. And then at some point when you want to catch the wave, when you think this is my wave, you turn around and you paddle and you reach a right pace that just comes right alongside. You match the pace of the wave and at which point the wave can sort of pick you up and you can ride it. And uh, and that's really important in our kids' spiritual lives that we're not too far ahead of their spiritual lives, dragging them forward and we're not just behind watching it, but that we find a way to create the right pace. And I just wanted to go a bit deeper into that because how do you actually find the right pace? Uh, and that is a skill that you can learn and it's quite easy because you're the expert in your kid and so really it's a process of of coming alongside of them and doing it and there are two different things I guess if I could sum up something to make it easier to paddle the right speed I would say that it's a two-stage process of saying yes and then making it available so saying yes to their next step is Basically, whatever is writing in their life, whether it's them really liking prayer all of a sudden and they want to go to a prayer meeting, just say yes. Or whether they uh, want to uh, 
Uh, read this particular Bible over and over again. Fine. Uh, if they're really interested in building things and they're like, we should build a church. And you're like, I can't just say yes. There's something about saying yes to what is naturally rising up within them that is really helpful to notice. That doesn't mean we're saying yes to everything. It means that what we see as parents rising up in our kids, we think, I can say yes to that. We don't have to say yes each time, but when we see a spiritual wave coming to say yes to that, and then to help them find their next step, rather than program their next step rather than go, Ooh, you appear to be interested in the Bible. I'm, I've seen you looking through your Bible in your room. And so we can say yes to giving them an extra five minutes. If we see them looking, you can come in and go, Oh, I see you're looking at your Bible. I love you looking at your Bible. If you want to continue, feel free for another five minutes. I'll give you an extra bit because Bible is really important. And that's just one way of saying yes to what you see them doing. But to help them take the next step rather than being like, excellent, let's now have a Bible study uh, every morning because it appears that you are vaguely interested in the Bible. Rather than enforcing a next step, uh, make available to them the next step. There's a real big difference between programming a next step and making a next step available. And I would really suggest you just make available the next step. Uh, say yes and make it available. So if they're you notice them flipping through their Bible, you can say yes to them doing that and creating a little bit of space around that. And then next steps, you can always just pop your head and be like, hey, do you, I saw that you were, you know, flipping through your Bible. Is that one really good for you? Or would you like to look at what do you really like about that? And when you feel ready for a next one or a different one or more words, then let me know. And I'd love to make available the next Bible step for you whenever you're ready. And it just basically says, I'm not going to take control of your relationship with God, but I am going to say that when you want to take the next thing, then I'll make that available for you. So for instance, a couple of stories, real stories that have happened. My kid was really interested in home group. Uh, we hosted a home group in our house for a while and uh, he was really keen on it. And I was like, well, it's bedtime tough. Uh, he was really super keen on it, was really intrigued by it. And I just felt like there was a wave here that God was doing something in his life and was was intriguing him about what this home group thing is. And I love home group. I love, you know, the hospitality and I love the sitting around telling stories and stuff. And so, uh, and so I was like, well, all right, yes. And so I, I said yes to it. I said, yes, sure. You can stay up for a little bit, not the whole thing, but uh, yeah, if that's, if that's what's, what's in your heart, then yeah, sure. Let's take the next step. Yeah. And so I made it available to him. He was in charge of all the teas and coffees and facilitating everyone coming in and making them feel loved. Uh, and then I took the next step of making available to him what he was longing for, which was to stay for the home group. Uh, and so what I said basically was, this is what home group is. I framed it for him. And I said, people share their lives and they tell their stories. And uh, as long as you want to be engaged, as long as you're interested, as long as you are focused and, and giving people your face and really look, listening to God and participating, then feel free to stay up. And if at any point you get bored or you get tired, feel free to head on up upstairs and I'll follow you up and give you kisses and tuck you in. And that was it. I just made it available to him. 
I didn't say, sure, great, officially join the home group. Uh, I didn't announce to everybody that he is part of the home group. I didn't enforce that he was there. If you're going to sign up to home group, you have to be there. Uh, I just made it available to him. And when he wanted to leave, it's great. If I was noticing him spacing out or goofing around, I could very easily be like, looks like you're going to be bored of this feel free to go upstairs uh and he was just sort of self-monitoring in his behavior and then we could do it next time and next time for as long as he was interested in that uh and that's just riding the wave of it you say yes to what is rising up and you make it available for them uh there was a, another family who this kid became really obsessed with this one song uh they were going through, through something particular in their family uh, and the kid was quite afraid of it and so he was listening to uh, one worship song over and over and over again on a loop for like 30 minutes every night and really wanted to do that there was one family uh, who was going through something in particular uh, that was just really stressful and this one child um, really found that worship was helping him was uh, encouraging him in a in a way that was making him peaceful and made him actually sleep he just couldn't sleep without worship and so they normally would say no to playing music in the room but they were like yes I guess that's what God's doing so they said yes to it and then they made available to him the the set list and they sat down with him and he picked a song that he really wanted to hear and wanted to hear it on repeat repeat over and over and over again so they made that available to him as long as he wanted to listen to that uh they were okay with that and they just sort of created that they said yes and they made it available uh there was a teen uh at our church that was really keen in serving in some area that didn't have space and uh, the parents said yes if that's what you want if you want to get involved in that yes uh, and therefore had a conversation with the senior leadership team and and met with the head of the thing, uh, head of the team that the kid wanted to serve on and just um, created a way to make available to that child a, a way of expressing themselves in church because that was the only place that they were interested in church and they just made available that next step with also creating that space for the kid to try it and not like it and they create a space for the child to try and test and then eventually go on the road uh, with regular reviews and they just made available without programming it in so whatever is happening in your kid's life whatever is rising up within them that you can spot whether you notice it whether you they have said something about it whether it's just something that they've asked about have something in your heart that says yes to it and makes available to them a next step that they may choose to step into. We're sort of clearing a path for them. And that's how we come alongside them to paddle at their own pace. We let them be the momentum that we are, that we are coming alongside rather than us being the momentum that we are trying to control. This question is uh, pulled from the Facebook Live that we did uh, of question and answer. If you want to send in your questions, please do contact us through the website. Uh, feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you and answer your questions on the podcast. Uh, this question is a cracking good one, and I, I hope it helps. How do we get our kids to grasp grace? Oh, good question. No matter how much we teach about being saved through Jesus, our six-year-old still seems focused on earning God's approval and fixing his sin so he can go to heaven. Excellent question. Uh, one thing that I find really helpful to uh, think through is that around seven to eight years old, kids' brains developmentally change. Um, under seven, everything is really concrete. They're, they're, they understand uh, things in a very black and white 
right and wrong, uh, very structured way. So their brains can get things that are concrete, but they struggle with metaphors. They struggle with things are like this. They struggle with abstract thought. And somewhere around seven to eight, their brain shifts and they begin to get symbols and all sorts of other things. They begin to understand that one thing, one thing can mean another thing and they begin to understand abstract thought. And so for your six-year-old, their brain is still in, this is the process of doing things. And so they understand they have sin, they need to get rid of sin, and therefore they need to get into heaven. And we're not saying you are sinful, but pff, you can ignore all of that uh, because Jesus died on the cross and he let you into heaven, so do what you like. And so we're trying to communicate a really interesting middle ground, which is, yes, we sin. Yes, we need to get clean. Yes, we need to say sorry. Yes, we need to repent and change. But also, God has given us grace, so it's not all on us. And that is a complex thought that some six-year-olds are still grasping. And so it's okay for them to be in the middle. One is just trust the development that as you are shaping it for them and as you are communicating, they will always go deeper and deeper and deeper the older they get because you're modeling the same thing. So it's, it's okay for them to not have a complete thing. Grace um, is a complex concept because you're basically saying yes and. And so one of the things that I would suggest is find a way in your normal everyday life where you can give them an experience of grace. So whether it's them messing up and normally when they mess up, they have to sit on their bed for seven minutes or whenever they, you know, when they do something that requires them sitting on a chair or giving up a toy or whatever your normal consequence is, um, to take that moment and say, you know what, you messed up this time. And, and what normally happens is this, this is the consequence of your actions. But in this circumstance, I'm gonna show you grace. You deserve to have this consequence. And yet, instead, I am going to give up my iPad time instead of you having to give up your iPad time. Because it still needs to be paid, but I'm gonna do it for you because that's grace. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it instead of you so that we can still stay connected. Or anything that you can think of a really good time that is just going to be perfect for their little brain and give them an example of it or begin to create windows into how grace works for you. I try and try and try and I want to be good and I want to please God and I know I fail and I am so glad that just because I fail doesn't mean that I'm going to be separated from God from ever because it's like Jesus makes up the difference. I am so grateful. Or when you're paying, pay with cash and have your partner or your friends, you say, oh, I only have five pound 15 and I need five pound 40. I can't, there's no difference. I, I can't make it up. I can't have that thing. I don't have enough and have someone come in and pay the, the rest of it. And you can be like, oh, that's such grace. I could not on my own have done that. But you gave me grace and you enabled me to have what my heart's desire was. Thank you so much. However you choose to do it, give them an experience of grace and that may begin to help. But also don't worry about it um, because uh, their brain will develop into it. For our 
our wildcard section today. These are my friends, Joe and Elliot. They are a, a wonderful couple, very wise. Uh, they're uh, some of those people that have been in your life for years and you just respect them and admire them and want to be like them. And uh, they have parented their kids through um, some really extraordinary circumstances. They have moved uh, multiple times, 11 times in 14 years. They have four children. Uh, those move include across the country uh, and including an international move, both there and back to Africa. And uh, they've really gained some wisdom, I feel, on how to coach kids through spiritually um, this move, because a move for children involves so much. and involves moving friends and schools and lives and everything that makes them feel comfortable. And uh, Joan Elliott have really gained something about how to do that. So I wanted to share their wisdom with you. Here is uh, what happened when I sat down with them. Right. So I'm here with Joe and Elliot, and uh, I have some questions because these two are parents who I deeply respect and have known for years and years. And you have had something, I think, quite extraordinary in uh, your lives in that you have moved around over and over and over again. How many, how many house moves have you had in the past 10 years? Uh, the past 10 years, we've probably moved... I think this is the move we've just done is move number 11. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably in 14 years. Yeah, that's in 14 years. Probably about eight times yeah. in the last 10 years. And so you've had to move four children, and as your family has grown, you have gathered four children eventually, and you've had to coach them through moving repetitively, which means moving schools, moving friendships. And this is something that is really common to a lot of people is this whole moving house thing. But there's a spiritual aspect to moving. There's a, a, a spiritual prepping of the kids and, and coaching them through all of the emotions of that. And I'd just like to hear from you. How do you, how do you approach telling your kids that you're going to move? And how do you help them spiritually and emotionally cope with a move and joining a new school and friendships and schools? Talk to me a bit about just how you do it as a parent. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think part of it is, is, looking at where I've been parenting myself, I think does affect it because I, I have the, perhaps the benefit of having moved around a lot and I have Christian parents who uh, were very good at talking to us about possible moves and, and involving us in thinking about praying about where God wanted us to be. And I think we've kind of always wanted to, to do the same with our kids. I think particularly when we, when we did arguably our biggest move, when we moved countries from North London to Kenya, uh, that was a very long process of prayer and discernment, and the, and the kids were very much involved in that. So that once you've made that move and all the difficult transitions come, you've got that opportunity to be able to look back and see and, and, and share with them, look, here was where God was speaking to us, here's where God guided us, and that's why we're here. Um, that's a really good example. Then if we just take that example of the big move, you say you involved the kids in the process, but what does that actually mean? How did you involve the kids in a discernment process about moving? Um, well, I think, what do we do to involve them in the discernment process? I think we, well, it's conversation. It's always a place to start with the kids. And we've always tried to have very open and honest conversations with the kids and constantly have um frequent dialogue about it and prayer and worship and also discussing it with other people who are part of our 
um, our network, but our close, our family and our close friends and the kids being part of that. So when did you clue them in? You, you began to think about moving to Kenya. Did you say, we're thinking about moving, what do you think? Or did you wait till you got to a, a, a stage? Because you know, whether it's moving to Kenya or quitting a job or moving to a place, there's, there's, at what point did you decide it's more than just us and our marriage trying to figure this out? We need to involve the kids. Well, I think before we actually made a decision on destination, when we were in the process of thinking... Oh, actually, it feels like God's moving us on from from the place we were in North London. Um, and obviously, we'd had time praying together. Uh, before we sort of set on a, on a place, we were very much involving the kids and thinking, asking questions about what they thought about where God wanted us to be and what God wanted us to be doing. And, you know, very much, I think at that time, it was such a big move that we were very much wanting them to... We, we need to know we heard God's voice on this. So it wasn't good enough that just Joe and I were praying and listening. Actually, we wanted the kids to be able to do the, to, same. To do the same, yeah, to pray and listen. And, and sometimes, you know, for us, that's often been in a context of, of actually, you know, just having our own time together and worshipping together and just waiting on God. But also just in conversation with them, just, you know, wherever that might be at bedtime or in the morning of just saying, you know, what, you know, what they think God is saying. Um, I think that was a big part of, of how we involved them because we wanted to have that that assurance when we moved. It wasn't just, you know, God said to us, but actually, you know, God spoke to our family. Our family. Well, because it wasn't a case of that we're just moving, Daddy's just moving jobs, or we're, you know, we're taking, a, you know, Mummy's taking a new job, therefore we are going here. It's always been in the context of that we are called to a role as a whole family and therefore, you know, we're all going to start this new new adventure, wherever that might be. And we've taken that line with every move that we've made, that it's that it is a whole family. And actually, when we've moved, it hasn't always been easy and there's been challenges in the different places we've been in. But as Al was saying before, that... Um, that becomes your anchor, that when you've been on that journey together as a family and you've been having that constant dialogue and that the, the kids have been listening to God and we have and we've been doing it together and individually and we've, um, we've, um, we've journaled that or we've, you know, we've journeyed together with that to get to that place that actually when things are challenging that does become your anchor god has asked us to do this he's, he's asked us to be in this place and that doesn't that you know doesn't always you know it doesn't say it's always going to be easy but actually you know we are responding to that call as a as a whole family that gives them quite a lot of power in the decision and i know many parents i've talked to they want their kids to be involved in the discernment process but there's always this fear of what if the kids aren't on board or what if they feel differently or th that puts the parents in a difficult position? Were you worried about that? How did you, would you have not gone had the kids not felt from God? That's a good question. It's a good question. In his last move that we made, um, well, move before last to this particular location that we're in now, we did bring the kids to come and visit. And I think had, had I think, I think it would have, I think we would have had to question it if the kids had had any major concerns or issues or... Yeah, I mean, I think, again, looking at my own childhood, I know moves that we went through that, 
you know, as siblings, we had different views about them. Um, and yet my parents did the move anyway. And I guess um, if they were to share about it today, they would say, you know, they had to trust, even if there was anxiety that, mm. that any of the kids felt, that actually if God was, was leading. And as, as parents, we ultimately have to make difficult decisions sometimes. And, and again, that's where sometimes God speaks and says, you know, here's a prophetic word and here's a picture and, and this is the interpretation. Other times, actually, we've, we've heard God speak just through the wise things that our kids say and remind us about, you know, wherever we go, we know God's with us, for example, that one of our kids, you know, might often say to us. So actually, if we've been given a prompt from God, it's not necessarily getting one of the kids to say, oh, I had a dream and I saw a picture of Kenya. Mm. It's actually sometimes hearing from them, you know, the reminder of actually who God is and his faithfulness that becomes part of the rudder you mm. know, for, for directing our ship as a family, as it were. But just like we would have, con- if we had concerns, if the kids were to have concerns or questions or, or felt there was, a, it, it all goes into the melting pot, doesn't it? Because it's all about that's part of what discernment is, is taking all of those things. And it's important that we equally value those thoughts and views of the kids and feelings about things as we would our own. And yes, ultimately, ultimately we will make that decision. Um, but it's important that they're involved in that. That's really interesting. So it's not about getting everyone's consent. It's not about getting a consensus of the family, but it's it's letting them be the voice of God and, and connect with God on their own and, and add into the melting pot of conversation rather than getting a tick box of everyone signing on board of a new adventure. Yeah. And I mean, when we moved here, for example, when we came to, to visit and explore as a family, all six of us came to look at the, the parish here and um, we'd had a day visiting different people and uh, the kids getting to meet other kids and we went to church and then that night when we were going to bed, you know, we said to them, you know, it was three older ones, because my youngest was, was asleep by then, but the three older ones just said, you know, what do you think, you know, what do you th- feel about the place? And they said, you know, we have to move here. And, you know, something something like that, you have to sort of mark down and say, actually, is there is there something in there, you know, the enthusiasm and the spark that they've caught for this place that actually God is, is speaking to us about? I think, well, actually, if the kids have a sense of excitement about this, um, even though you know we might not know exactly how things are going to work out, actually that sense of, of the kids' excitement for the move will help carry through anxieties that will undoubtedly come up and challenges that they're going to face. To think that the initial step to kind of go, oh yeah, moving, goodbye friends, goodbye school, goodbye location, and hello new place. That actually that excitement they've got, you know, is something that is really useful in making that first step to say, right, we're off. Excellent. Thank you very much, Elliot and Joe Ireton, for sharing your heart and sharing your wisdom, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. And the question today to start an interesting conversation with your kid, uh, I'm not sure this is a question so much as I find it really interesting. Uh, you know, Jesus was 30 to 33 years old, you know, during his ministry life and dying. Uh, it's really fun with your kids to uh, sit around and go, who do we know that was the same age as Jesus when he died on the cross? And just sort of go, huh, 
and look around and think about the people in your life and just name them. Because sometimes Jesus becomes so abstract and mysterious that it's really hard to like pin him to the fact that, you know, when he was in his ministry, he was the same age as Bruce Willis and Die Hard or whatever else you have in your life. So have an interesting conversation about just the age Jesus was, Jesus was and who in your life do you have that is that same age between 30 and 33 uh, that uh, they can look at and be like, oh, that's really interesting. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Music